Happy rainy day. Yeah, the weather is uh, went from what eighty yesterday. Oh, I think it was almost ninety. Was it ninety? Yeah. Yeah, and now it's rainy and cold, and I'm in a sweater. Yep, I wore a Patagonia today. So. <laughs> yeah, I thought we'd put those away for the season. Yeah, exactly. Nice. I had to cover up all my peonies and roses and all that. You know, I basically built a greenhouse in my backyard because yeah. I just planted like $1,000 worth of plants. Yes, I know. I had to take all my, I haven't planted all my vegetables yet, which is good, but I had to bring in all my potted plants and bring them into my garage and now mm-hmm. my garage is a jungle and I love it. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, that's about how it goes. You're listening to the Mailbox Money podcast with Cody Burton and Rebecca Scott. So speaking of changes, we have yeah. changing weather. We also have a changing market and um, rumors of a recession. Climate change. Am I right? <laughs> I'm just kidding. All sorts of change. So do we want to talk a bit about that? I know we Let's talked about it. rates a few weeks ago and we mm-hmm. can maybe jump into the market and yeah, the so, rumors of a recession, rumors of a crash. So with interest rates rising... First of all, do we want to get into why? You're listening to the Mailbox Money Podcast with Cody Burton and Rebecca Scott. The short of it is when inflation continues to go up because, you know, we've had money being pumped into our economy for the last six years or so. um, That is a recipe for inflation. There's no way around it. When you pump money into the economy, inflation happens. And so the only way to combat inflation it was just raising the interest rates. So with that, people have started to panic for a recession or a crash or whatever that may be. So let's kind of dissect that and see what that entails. Yep. So being that we talk about real estate, probably let's start with the potential for a crash and then maybe just move into a recession as broader. Great. Um what do you think? I personally, I don't think a crash is coming. I don't think a full-on crash is coming. Will the market plateau a little bit? Yeah, maybe. Mm-hmm. When people are saying maybe we see a recession, I ask them, what does that look like for you? You know, does a recession mean rather than 40 offers on a property, we have two? Yeah, Sure, if that's your definition, <laughs> <laughs> I think we can see that. I mean, sure, we've seen a slowdown. I mean, Truly, instead of 40 offers, now we're seeing 10. Mm -hmm. I personally think that's good. Yeah. Yeah, it's balanced. It's balanced. We haven't had a balanced market in a decade. Yeah, not here in Colorado. Um, I mean, for me, you know, I keep keep talking to clients about this because they hear it on the news or whatever. And it's, you know, should we wait if, you know, a crash, should we wait for a crash to come and then we can buy at lower discounts and... You know, I keep telling my clients, absolutely not, because the people you're listening to that are saying, oh, wait, it's just around the corner, are the same people that were saying, oh, wait, it's just around the corner when we moved here five years ago. Absolutely. And now our house we that we bought four years ago is worth almost double. So it's like the people saying to wait have missed out on all of that. And if you say that it's going to crash every single year, statistically, <laughs> one of the years you will be correct. Eventually, you'll be right. Yeah, it's that, exactly. It's that sky is falling sort of chicken little principle. Exactly. Um, but the thing I keep going back to is simply supply. Yeah. You know, nationally, um, I just read a thing from Freddie Mac. Nationally, they estimate that we are behind about 3 million homes. Uh, compared to what demand is. So there's a shortage of 3 million homes there. And 
on top of that, we also are not building at the same rates we were in, you know, 2006 or previously. We've never returned to those rates. So the supply isn't being bolstered while demand is just stronger than ever. Right. And with the millennials, again, going into the age group where they can actually afford houses, there's so many millennials that it's only going to be growing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One out of three homes is a first time home buyer. And so, you know, like we were just talking about supply, that's not helping it because it's not like people are buying a new home and selling their old one. One out of every three homes being bought doesn't produce another home in inventory coming to the market. Right. So I think just, I mean, that right there is my initial impression that like we're not headed towards a crash because there's nothing to crash. There aren't enough homes compared to demand. And like we've talked about before, so much of 2008, 2009 really was a lending issue. Mm -hmm. It was a lending issue. It was a realtor issue. Everybody was responsible to some degree of of the crash and the issues going on, but we have put in so many laws and restrictions to avoid that. It's, it's a lot harder, right? Mm-hmm. We're no longer seeing stated income. You have so many checks and balances in the lending world. Um, so that also helps. Also, I kind of want to look at the word recession a little differently because here's the problem with quote unquote, going into a recession. I honestly don't see that as a bad word right now. Because we have been in a sellers, a heavy sellers market for so long that we've had as low as one week of inventory. We should have six months of inventory for a balanced market anywhere between four and six months. So in order to have a balanced market to where, hey, buyers no longer have to waive inspection, waive appraisal, waive their entire, you know, the right to their first child in order to get a house, maybe now we can negotiate and sellers have a little bit responsibility of like, yeah, let's clean out the sewer for you because it cost me a hundred dollars, but right now they're like, nah, don't want to do it. I know you're gonna buy it anyway. Yep. You I- know, so maybe a recession really isn't a swear word in this market. Yep. And, you know, there may be some people listening to this saying, you know, oh, a recession is always bad because, you know, one of the definitions of a recession is rising unemployment, you know. Yeah. Oh, my God, you want people to be unemployed? Yeah. But here in Denver, at least, our unemployment right now is below what's considered a healthy rate. Mm. Um, I think healthy is four, four and a half percent, Mm -hmm. if I'm remembering right. Um, Our... our unemployment rate here in Denver is hovering around 3%. Mm. So by that definition, we have more jobs than we have people to work them. So even from that perspective. Well, and you can talk to our recruiter and my husband's actually in the job market right now. And it is bananas. I'm talking companies are having to convince people to work at their company more so than anything else. So Mm -hmm. like, they are trying to talk people into working at the company rather than just giving them an offer. And like, of course they're going to say yes, because they're desperate. Mm -hmm. They're like, "Uh, I'm going to use this to pit this offer against a different offer. And then, and as a hiring manager right now, I've seen it firsthand. I have been trying to hire so many people in um, Phoenix and um, Salt Lake city. And I can't because by the time, you know, like if our, 
our hiring cycle is more than two weeks, they've already found a job. Yep. They're just gone. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Yeah. I, I believe it. The things are absolutely crazy right now. And, you know, with the job market, with everything, like everything is so ramped up to such a level. Yeah. A little bit of a cool down would not be a bad thing. No, it really wouldn't. Although going back to what you talked about, about 2008, people borrowing crazy. You know, I honestly don't think a recession is even coming. Mm. Uh, I was just reading through the report that Visa put out, Mm -hmm. which I know makes me sound super fun. (laughs) Continue. Um, But I was just reading through a report Visa put out saying that they are seeing... Um, spending only increase. Typically, one of the first signs of a recession is a drop in demand, a drop in discretionary spending. Mm. And right now, they're seeing that increase. But what they called it was a healthy level, mm-hmm. meaning that spending is increasing. Discretionary spending especially is increasing. But it's not increasing past the point that people can pay it back. Mm. And so to your point about lending standards... People are less heavily leveraged than they were going into 2008. People have more discretionary money to spend because they aren't so strapped as tight on a budget. Mm -hmm. They have more equity in their homes on average. The average American has a higher credit score than they did in going into 2008. Amazing. So it's like all of these markers that led into that big crash we're not seeing it here. You know, people, especially in the housing market, people have equity. If they need to get out of a home, they can just sell it. We're not going to yeah. see widespread foreclosures. I know in 2021, you may or may not know this. I thought this was super interesting. In the Denver market, do you want to guess how many foreclosures we had? Mm, I love this game. Um, in 2021. 2021, yep. So January all the way through December. Nope. 4,000. The Denver market. The Denver market. De- just Denver. <laughs> one. One. Oh my god. We gosh. had one foreclosure in twelve months last year. Oh my word. Well, I know that that was a huge thing that we were watching back in when I first started at Atlas in twenty sixteen. They were saying they had a uh, the owners of our company they had a tight pulse on the foreclosure market because mm-hmm. in two thousand eight two thousand nine they saw everything going to market and that's when they started snatching things yep. up. But now they stopped even attending um, the foreclosure auctions. Yeah. The foreclosure auctions because there was nothing to buy. Yeah, and it used to be the list used to be so long that you didn't have time to even look up where all these properties were. You just had to know because you just had to know, okay, I know this address is in this area. And so circle that one bit, you know, Mm -hmm. it was absolutely bananas. Yeah. And you know, I think going back to 2008 and I don't want the podcast to be totally about 2008, but going back to it, because that is the most recent crash is what's in everybody's mind. And I think it's caused this correlation where people hear recession and they automatically think real estate crash. Yeah. Um, But that's really not true. You know, we had 2008, we saw about a 20% drop in prices. That's Mm. huge. Mm -hmm. However, going back over the past six recessions, 2001 was our last big recession before 2008. And we actually saw prices continue to increase at about 6% through that recession. Yeah. And so... It's not necessarily linked together. Same thing with 1980. Again, 6% increase on appreciation. So we didn't see, we saw, you know, 
like you said, less offers. We saw a more balanced market. But even though the economy as a whole was in recession, the housing market continued to chug along mm -hmm. just a slower pace than it had the years leading up to it. Do you know what's always fascinating to me during these times? And I see it on a very small scale of condos have not been selling well here mm -hmm. in the Denver area. And so I have a couple people selling condos and we'll put it on the market. And there is a weird psychology behind, oh my gosh, that property has been on the market for two weeks. What's wrong with it? <laughs> Seriously. Yep. And even I've if seen it's, it. even if it's a single family house and maybe you list it on a Monday or something like that, and it's been on the market until the next Monday, people are like seven days. There's obviously something wrong with this property because they're used to it going in 30 seconds. Mm -hmm. And so I wonder how the psychology of this will really affect it. Because just like the stock market, the stock market is the psychology of humans, right? Like that's, Absolutely. that's all the stock market is. And so it will be interesting to see how that aspect of human psychology affects the, the real estate market, because I think that will actually be people panicking for whatever reason, even if they don't know why they should be panicking or they're not researched or whatever the case, or they listen to the news all the time. They don't listen to this podcast. Yeah, that's exactly. why. <laughs> yeah. But if you just are constantly um, consuming fear mongering information, mm -hmm. then you'll panic. And so that psychology, I think, will affect the real estate market more than we, you know, take account for. Yeah, I think you're right. There is a certain aspect of human nature that comes into it mm -hmm. and whether it stays on market or you know people's memories are so short people yeah. are freaking out about rates right now yeah. and it's like on average we're still at historically low rates yes we're at you know four or five percent for you know single family home that you want that you want to live in um but that being said if you look historically and like average out rate year over year from 2022 back to I think 1960 or so mm -hmm. I think the average rate is like eight and a half percent yeah so we're still well less than that totally um you know depending on how well qualified you are you might be half of that yeah and so like you said psychology people's memories are short yeah. and you know if we do go into recession like you said it's going to be one that is specifically kind of forced almost yeah. to slow down inflation and typically when we've seen forced recessions, for lack of a better term, the housing market has fared even better. Yeah. So I don't see a housing crash coming, especially here in Denver. Yeah. I do wonder, and this is something I've been thinking about lately, is with COVID, with people working remotely, with employers having to kind of fight to get employees right now and working from home or working part-time from home, being kind of a big draw, how much we're going to see individual um, towns or counties affected by people who maybe technically work in that county, but live, mm. you know, in this county. Mm -hmm. And so I'm wondering if we're going to see more of like a shift to, you know, like almost like a microeconomic level yeah. of certain areas being affected more than others, because it's about where people want to live not necessarily where they have to live to have a good job, yeah. which is what we've seen forever, you know, before 2020. And that's honestly why people might start moving to the middle of the country. Yeah. You know, um, and who knows how long that will last. All of these things ebb and flow, right? Even mm -hmm. 
Denver downtown during 2020. Everybody was leaving downtown. It was a ghost town. Yeah, it was a ghost town. And so everybody was buying in the suburbs and trying to get land and a single family house and whatnot. Well, now everyone's kind of slowly going back to to downtown Denver, you know, and trying to get a house that's closer to with walkability Mm -hmm. and closer to things. Right. So it just that even that alone is an example of how the entire on a small scale, but how the entire country will operate. You know, maybe we go to the middle of the country where things are cheaper and you can get more land and, you know, whatever. And then after a while, it's like, well, let's go back to where we want (laughs) to live, you know? Yeah. And And I think, you know. Going back to the point, people's memories are short, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody wanted to get out of, out to the suburbs. And I think give it a couple years, especially if work from home does continue yeah. in a strong way. Yeah. I think we're going to see people prioritize walkability. Yeah. They want to, you know, pop down to a local restaurant for lunch because they are home. Yeah. I think we're going to see an explosion of people moving back to cities in two years absolutely because people want to be alone only for so long and then they realize that they actually like being around humans they value community yeah community is massive absolutely so you know that's what i think is coming for the housing market it sounds like we are kind of on the same page how do you think that affects the investment market Mm. for rentals in particular for landlords that's a great question cody i think it's really important to note that as you said earlier there are 3 million houses that need to be built in order for us to catch up with the demand, right? But there's even more so. I don't remember the exact number, but it's something... I know it's more than double that 3 million mark. Yeah, I think it's close to eight, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Um, We need that many rentals. So there's still an even bigger demand for rentals to happen. And we also need density within cities. That's something that some cities have figured out in a great way and others have not. But when we have, we can go down a rabbit hole of shortages of water and whatnot, but we need density like multifamily properties in suburbs of cities and within cities in order to create an economy that um, can fuel some of this like climate change and some of the um, other issues that we're facing. Yeah, and that seems like something we're really not seeing, you know, like we've both said there's a huge shortage in rentals and especially affordable rentals. Yeah. And it seems to me like, at least in the markets we're in, what's getting built is either high-end luxury units Mm -hmm. or it's these really large-scale, more affordable um, developments that are in less desirable areas. So like here, you know, they're way out on the east side towards the airport just because land is too valuable. And materials have gone up so much. And so, you know, I think we're going to see a real demand for those multifamily properties on the more desirable areas. Right. The other interesting thing is these big developments um, of just what seemingly average housing Mm -hmm. costs. I mean, these developments are starting at $700,000. Yeah for a new build that's like a very modest three-bedroom, two-bath, unfinished basement, Yep. you know? Um, and so you're right. We absolutely need more houses being built that are of affordable caliber. And affordable is obviously relative. However, if we can get some multifamily built in a lot of these developments, 
we can lower the costs of some living and people can live in places that they want to live and they and can actually afford to do it and yeah. actually afford to do it. Yeah. So it is interesting to kind of talk about that as well. Yep. And that's, you know, that's one thing that we look at on the investment side is we kind of buy in those areas where we're not seeing those permits for those big 200 unit developments go in next door. And so it kind of becomes a supply and demand issue. Like there aren't many in the area. If you own them, you can charge the rent for them. And what, you know, Michael and I like doing in particular is buying those places that have been very run down, making them nice. So they're still affordable for the area, but they're also a nice place to live. You know, yeah. it's giving people a quality of life in an area that they may not be able to afford otherwise. Yeah, absolutely. So to recap everything, we just need, we are in a demand area and maybe that's just Denver and the markets that we're buying in, but as a whole, needing 3 million houses or living spaces for people, that's a countrywide issue. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, overall, you know, I think the, I understand why people are hesitant. You know, it seems like the brakes have come off the market, whether it's inflation or the housing market or whatever. So I do understand the hesitancy to think that a crash is coming, that a recession is coming. But realistically, when you boil down and break into those numbers, I mean, we are in a huge demand market. We have a huge lack of supply. We are not seeing building to meet that supply anytime soon. You know, by some estimates, it would take 10 years to build up our housing supply to meet demand. And that's if builders go back to 2006 levels, which we're not even seeing. I've read so many articles saying that we will never get back to where we should be yeah, in, in I, our lifetime. I believe it. So, you know, simple economics, supply and demand. There's not enough supply. There's a lot of demand. We have millennials and younger making up half the population in the U.S., meaning that 30% of new home buyers that I referenced earlier is only going to go up. Driving demand. I think we have COVID rearranging where people want to live and work, driving demand in those areas even more. And then we have healthier families, healthier balance sheets that aren't stretched to the breaking point. They don't carry a ton of debt like they did in 2006, 2007. Um, you know, higher credit scores, higher ability to liquidate if they need to because of equity. So I don't really see anything pointing towards any sort of major recession. And I think that's kind of the takeaway. Yeah. Um, and to wrap things up even more, you know, this is the thing we always preach is we don't try to time the market anyway. Right. You know, I, we try to buy something personally at least once a year, just like you do with stocks. You know, you put a little bit out of every paycheck into the stock market we put a little bit of every paycheck into savings and we try to buy another investment property every year. So right. those two things together, I'm not worried about it. I think right now our jobs is to help our clients and take away that anxiety and educate them a little bit about what's really going on Yeah, uh, and try to combat some of that sensationalism we see in the news and online. Absolutely. Well, Cody, thanks for sharing all your knowledge. <laughs> Um, I think this was a good one, but yeah, I hope, uh, I hope we've helped to shed some light on it. And if you think we're out of our minds and the sky's going to fall down, we'd love to hear from you. Or if, you know, you still have questions like hit us up on Instagram and maybe it'll inspire a whole nother episode. Heck yeah. 
that's it for this week. Uh, like I already said, we have an Instagram. Check us out there, Mailbox Money Podcast. Uh, we also have an email if you want to shoot an email our way, mailboxmoneypodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we're on you know TikTok, Facebook, all the socials. We love to interact with people that are listening to the podcast. We have kind of seen it blow up the last few weeks, so it's been really cool. So if you're a new listener, thank you so much for listening. And if you are an OG listener, thank you so much for sticking around. And on that note, we'll catch you next week.